Welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal, and on this episode, we have a session from the Digiday Publishing Summit we held in Vail, Colorado from March 27 to 29. It's time for a more fun session. Digiday on stage sometimes plays this Wheel of Truth format where Guests are invited to dissect different narratives out there about the digital media industry. This time, we had Neil Vogel, CEO at Dot Dash, join us on stage. Listen to what he has to say about the narratives. So, uh, Neil, uh, before we get into the Wheel of Truth, um, Dot Dash, for those who do not know Dot Dash, the artist formerly known as About.com, one of the very few sort of comeback stories that you see in, in the internet. You don't see things like go in one direction and then come back up. Explain uh, the sort of trajectory. A comeback story. Uh, the, uh, the 30 seconds uh, is a lot of you know about.com. We are a general information website for the first 20 years internet of the internet. 1.0 is one, internet 1.0. We were yes. like hardcore 1.0. Uh, <laughs> At the time when I got there in 2013, 14, you could argue we were the worst scaled site on the internet, which we probably were. Um, a lot of really good information packaged horribly in a general information format that nobody wanted in 2014. Uh, we spent two years uh, trying to fix it very unsuccessfully. Um, a key part of the stories were owned by IAC, which is Barry Diller. There was one famous meeting when we had to go back to Barry Diller after missing nine straight quarters and say, uh, if you let us lose $20 million next year, uh, we think we can turn uh, about.com into what the future Meredith should be or what the future Condé Nast should be. And because he's Barry Diller and because they're very smart and they're very patient, they understood what we were talking about. And what we meant is we would take this general thing, we'd keep the good parts and verticalize it. And, and we had content in really valuable areas, health, finance, tech, travel, home, food. Um, and we had a few other theories on how to treat uh, service content, evergreen content, to be a great service publisher. And we basically went back and said, uh, the criticism we got well, you've, it was you've one really big problem, don't come back with six much smaller problems. And we said, well, here's our theory. We think that if we take a totally different approach to publishing, and I'd never been a publisher before, no one on our senior team had ever been a publisher before, we said, we're gonna control what we can control. And we're gonna make, on everything we cover, we're gonna make the best thing on the internet we can possibly make, and it's gonna be expensive, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna make the fastest sites on the internet because those perform better. And we're gonna take probably 30 or 40% of the ads off of the page that we have now. And in every vertical in which we compete, we'll have 30% less advertising than everybody else will have. And without getting into the details of uh, the story, and it tells a good story, but it was a very wild ride. Um, IAC announces our numbers publicly. We're now a, a disclosed sort of division part of a public company. In 2016, which was our last year that we had any vestige of about.com, we did about 55 or 60 million in revenue and we lost $20 million. Uh, last year we did 130 million in revenue and we made $20 and ISC is $20 million. Oh, good. And, uh, Better. 20s, yeah, dollars, millions. Uh, and IAC has told Wall Street we'll do 140 to 150 in revenue this year and make uh, between 30 and 40. And we did that because we are extremely vigilant at doing exactly what we're good at and nothing else. And we're, we got really good at making outstanding content at scale and caring about the user experience above anyone else. It, a, lot of you, a lot of us get paid by ads for a living. We're capitalists, we like ads, we like internet advertising, we like to get paid, but we will never do a pop-up, we will never do an interstitial, we will never do a pre-roll because they suck and people don't like them. We don't do any of that stuff. How about autoplay? 
uh, we don't autoplay anything. Uh, we do autoplay, but we autoplay, it's our own video. So we're not doing it for money. We're doing it because people actually like it. If it's a beautiful video that shows you how to make a chocolate martini or less beautiful, but how to like unclog your drain, people are into the autoplay. They watch the whole thing. Um, not all the time, but a lot of the time. Okay. Um, so we, we ended up with, with a business now that went from 40 million users a month to 90 million users a month on Comscore. We are, uh, we're bigger than Content Nats Online. We're bigger than Vox. We're bigger than everyone. We've got this business now that in each of these verticals, very well in health and the spruce and home and food and the balance in Vestipedia and personal finance, we have these brands that are among the biggest on the internet. And our problem now is a lot of people don't know who we are yet because the majority of our brands, with the exception of Investopedia and Birdie, which we've acquired as a beauty brand, uh, our brands are three years old. So um, it's been an incredibly mm -hmm. wild ride. So you, you recently acquired Birdie. Yes, you your first Birdie in my domain from right. Click Media. Yeah. Um, and your model is really based on intent-based traffic. It always has been a lot through search. Yeah. Um, ends up at about yeah, we're, good, uh, a good algorithm, a stable algorithm. Well, I think I don't, I have no opinion on what algorithms are good or not. I just know the ones that we can work with. And the ones, the algorithms that we work with are algorithms that care about where they send people. Google wants to send you to the best result for your query. Pinterest wants you to send you to the best place to get that image. Like Flipboard, Apple News, they want to send you the best places for whatever stated interest you have. That's us. Couldn't care less about Facebook, couldn't care less about Twitter. Um, like Instagram's interesting for branding for us, but we generally don't care. Um, and because, the, because we spend so much money and time just trying to make the best stuff in service content that those are the guys that we work with. So you, I, I assume with these acquisitions that you're looking for other intent-based areas yeah. that this for, model can For us, we're, we do, um, we relentlessly do one thing. We, we do some, uh, a little bit, we, you know, no news, no sports, no entertainment, no fashion, but things like beauty uh, we're really into because it's an evergreen corpus where quality matters. We think a lot of people in that space don't do a great job of serving uh, women who like that kind of advice. So it's a lot of pattern recognition for what we did in food or what we did in home or what we did in health and fitness. Um, that if you come in and you spend real money on content and you make beautiful things that are fast, you can really win. So Birdie is a great brand. It's been around for five or six years. Uh, Who What Wear started it, which is a, a big fashion site that has a big commerce business. Uh, they were more pivoting towards commerce, so we bought from them a site called Birdie and a site called My Domain, which is a women's lifestyle site. Got it. Are you ready for the wheel of truth? Yeah, let's do it. We were going to do this based on your tweets, but you started like deleting your tweets. No, I. I Was there I an incident? No, I. Well, no, I got. <laughs> I got some pointed <laughs> advice from a person at IEC that okay. maybe my old tweets should go away, so yeah, they all went away. And now there aren't going to be your any Your resistance ones. tweets. Okay. <laughs> this is the wheel of truth. Resistance and okay. eagles. Apple News Plus. Apple News subscriptions. Uh, this came out. This came up quite a bit during Moguls. Um, I have a feeling I'm, I'm going to know that, uh, your response to this, but here you go. No. No, no. We're, we're, for, it doesn't really apply to us because we're not a subscription site. We'll, we'll never. Yeah, but we for may the do some overall, for, for the overall thing, I think it's terrible. And, and someone this morning in another meeting we were having, I think laid it out perfectly. If you're the Washington Post, your subscriber is your relationship. If you're the Washington Post and you become part of this, they give you some money for some of your content. You become a production house, not an incredibly valuable resource of news information and other things people want. And uh, I don't see why 
brands with the strength of a New York Times or a Washington Post, or I have no idea why the Wall Street Journal is doing this. I don't understand why they would do this. Admittedly, I'm not so deep on this, but conceptually, it's terrifying. Okay. Um, I'll move on to the next one. It's really spins. Oh, wow. The impact of GDPR. It's the most boring topic ever. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, let's do it quick. Uh, we put a disclaimer on our page that people X out. How's that? That's it. That's, that's it. We don't collect first-party data, really. We're, um, and it's interesting, being a, an intent-based publisher, if every cookie left the internet, I'm totally cool with that. Because if you're um, trying to sell barbecues, I know by where you landed exactly if you are someone who is going to be barbecuing. I mean, you mostly do contextual targeting based yeah, on the content. Yeah, like media for the last 150 years. Yeah. Like we, we, we are very sophisticated contextual targeters. I mean, we have a data science team. We have six PhDs. We've got 20 people that look at this stuff. We, we really are very much want to understand what our users are doing. We, we never try and divert our users to do something they don't want, but we just want to understand exactly what they're doing so we can put ads in front of them that work in okay. a respectful way. Makes sense. Um, next up. This one's a long spin. The pivot to video. Coming out of this, dumb. RIP. Dumb, because <laughs> they dumb, it's dumb. Uh, we, we have, a, again, again, I can only speak to our experience. Uh, I think the problem in media is that a lot of people that either didn't realize what they were good at or didn't have a lot of confidence in their business were always pivoting to something, and I think you're seeing the results of that now. Uh, video for us, I, I never understood, and I think part of it is because we weren't publishers, how you could take one small piece of what you're doing like that that is integral to an overall experience and like put a P&L in it and say that that's a thing. When, when we make video, and we'll probably make 5,000, 6,000 videos this year of tech stuff and food stuff and health stuff and fitness stuff, it's all part of like what it costs to deliver great content. So if that page needs like an animated GIF and a great writer and something else, it gets it. If that page needs a two minute video or whatever, it just gets it. For us, it's just another like ingredient in the cake so I never, we've never tried to like have a off-platform Facebook video strategy that never made any sense to us. It felt totally random or arbitrary why Facebook would possibly send something to you and we didn't, we spent a lot of money on our content. We didn't want to create something like the world doesn't need another overhead mm -hmm. apple pie video. It just doesn't. We weren't so you didn't spend any time like, you didn't go through like a Facebook curious phase or anything? When we were, when we were Facebook curious, it's amazing. Uh, when we were about.com, I said this to some of this to the guys this morning. When we were about.com, we did everything wrong. We went through a Facebook curious phase. We went through every phase. It was like college. <laughs> we, we, like, we did everything wrong. And I think we learned what we were. And we were not someone who would ever succeed in a world where the things that Facebook valued were not the things that we valued. So we just said, forget it. We're out. And we were out. Okay. Um, next one. Facebook curious. Oh, okay. Antitrust action. I mean, more people are calling for the government. You've, we've been hearing about this duopoly for how long now? Um, a long time. At least over a year, probably 18 months of duopoly talk. Um, and that now is the time for the government to get involved. Break them up. I'm going to sidestep this question and not answer it. <laughs> We're, we obviously look, Google is very deeply in both sides of our business, right? They're a source of more than half of our traffic across. You know, we do 11 million sessions a day, like well over half come from that place. And 
if we did 130 million in revenue last year, 100 of it was advertising, which ran through some yeah. software Google made, and then half of that well, came through some exchange Google owns. Historically, so, about.com was just Google. I mean, Google, it was Google, Google sent the traffic. It was mostly monetized through AdSense originally. Right. right. So we're, we're way, 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 way less Google than they used to be. Yeah. I don't know enough about antitrust law to say whether they should be broken up or not broken up. I think we have the same issues with Google that every other publisher has. We have managed to exist in a world dominated by Google. I think we're doing quite well in a world dominated by Google. So I don't know the answer. I don't have an answer. But they could crush you if you... They, they can crush anybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, commerce is a meaningful revenue stream. A lot of these things are, they, they feel very incremental. And when people say incremental, I think they usually mean small. Um, depends. So. The way we, again, I think I just said, 130 in revenue last year, 30 of it was we, what we call transactional, which was sending somebody to a brokerage house to sign up for a brokerage account, sending somebody to Amazon to buy a new refrigerator, sending somebody to Best Buy to buy a new router. The com there's two ways to do commerce. There's the way we do it, and then there's the way other people. You can do deals commerce, where you just like throw a bunch of stuff on your page, it's not our jam. We, we don't, you don't really create any value for that. You're just like, it's just like a sale, right? You're, it's like the old Gawker model back in the day. Like, mm -hmm. wine glasses for $8. This is amazing. And you can, you can do that. I don't know if that's a business or not a business. What we do is everything we do that is commerce or transactional rela related is based on trust and goes back to, like, best content, fastest sites, fewer ads. So if people trust you, when their router breaks, they're going to go to you for best routers under 200 bucks. And you're going to say, well, this one, this one, this one, this one. Here's the price at Amazon. Here's the price at Best Buy. This is the one we recommend. This is the one if you have a big house. This is the one if you have a small house. This is the one if you have thick walls. Mm -hmm. And then someone buys something and we get paid. Mm -hmm. And it's all based on we do not ever like drop random commerce links into an article that someone's reading. Like we, it's intent. We put commerce intent for people that want to buy stuff. And we're not trying to sell something to someone who's not in a buying mindset because we think that's a bad experience. And we, we could do, make a lot more than 30 if we drop links everywhere, but it's just not what we do. Okay. Um, next one. <clears throat> Took a long time. Oh, the future of Vice. I don't know how that got on there. Uh, the, well, the past device looked really fun. Yeah. Like Vegas, wine bottles, <laughs> this is amazing. It's uh, still going on. I, I think this is mostly meant, I wrote them, so actually I know what it was meant. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, mostly we're coming out of this period where people are really down on venture capital as, um, you know, historically it stayed away from media. I know you, you, you were in investing, mm -hmm. right? And sort of. I was a little a, bit. Kind of. I was, a, I was a venture partner at a place called First Mark Cap, which is the entrepreneur in residence, which means you don't have a job, so like, <laughs> you hang out at their office. But you, you at least saw yes. osmosis. And I've raised money before. Okay. Um, historically, media, you know, venture capitalists have stayed away from media. It does not have those kind of hockey sticks that, that venture capitalists tend to, no. to like. Um, but we went through this strange period um, where venture capitalists were media curious, if you will. I think venture capitalists fell for the concept that these are not media businesses, that they're somehow technology businesses. They're not. They're media businesses that use technology. And as far back as you can see in history, media businesses trade at seven to eight times EBITDA to like 15 to 20 times EBITDA based on where you are in the cycle, how good they are, and how much that they're growing. 
If you just look at Facebook and Google, they trade on a multiple of EBITDA now, even at their scale. They're, media, they're tech companies, but they're media businesses. So the idea that you're going to get VC-like returns on any of these things, I think, was flawed from the jump. And I think the effect that it's had on the market has been good and bad, but mostly bad. And, and what it's done for people who are real media businesses is it's like effed up the ad market. Because guys that have too much money and aren't careful about a PL don't care if they deliver to an advertiser like 150 custom made videos that cost yeah. $3 million to make on a $2.5 million deal they did. It screws up the pricing for everybody because they need to make some top line number to make somebody happy that doesn't understand media. The good news is that's all being flushed now. Everybody's being flushed and it's all being rationalized. And a couple of people who raise VC money are like turning into real businesses and a couple are not. Mm-hmm. And some already have not. And I think. The reckoning has already started. I think the reckoning will finish now. I mean, I think um, guys' advice are probably pretty happy. They took a lot of money out along the way. So maybe they won. Maybe they get the joke and they won. But if you were the last money in, I'm not sure you're that happy. Right. Okay. Um, Oh, man, more antitrust action. This time Facebook. I don't care. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, all right, this is the last one. Subscription fatigue. Um, you know, we talked about uh, Howard Mittman was here, and he was just talking about how everyone just like this industry runs from one thing to the next thing. As all of a sudden, everyone was was into distributed video, and everyone was, oh, we're going to be distributed media now. We're going to spin up these teams, and then it was, oh, no, no, no. Now uh, we're going to um, we're going to do everything on Facebook, and then it was going to be now we're pivoting to subscriptions. Is, is this going to hit a wall? I, I, maybe. Uh, subscriptions aren't really for us because um, if we make the very, um, like the, the very, very, very best top 10 hotels to stay and avail content on the internet, it is marginally better than the second best piece. It is not better enough that we can sell a subscription. It is better enough that somebody will like our stuff better, right? It's not, the delta is not enough. So we, we've thought long and hard about this and it's very hard for service guys to sell subscriptions. I think on a high level, there are some really big brands that do great stuff that will sell subscriptions. New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. Other than that, I, I, I think it's gonna have to be like a crunchy roll thing. It's gonna have to be something where you tip, get into people's areas of passions or areas of, um, you know, like you guys, frankly, which is something I would want to know and I don't have to pay for myself because my company will. Like, that's a very interesting business for a subscription. You have a works. company card, right? Yeah, I, I subscribe to your thing exactly. with that card. So uh, that, I think there's, everyone should. I think it'll work, but it's like all this stuff. It's like asking every publisher should they pivot to video. Like, a couple probably, but the rest, no. Like, the subscriptions work for a few people. Like, Yes, like our friends at the Daily Beast, another IC company, their subscriptions are doing great because they offer like a type of content in, a, in, in an area with a point of view that like there is a vein of people that are really into it and they're super users and they'll pay for it. Okay, I uh, want to open up to questions. We have a minute and a half left. Yes. Yeah, thanks. What Our percentage of your content do you create as intent-based transactional this is like a ghost speaking. I have no idea. And, and question two, what oh, would right. your walk-in music oh. be? Uh, uh, it would be uh, uh, Meek Mill, Dreams and Nightmares. That's easy. I'm sorry, what, what was Meek it? Meek Mill, Dreams and Nightmares, Okay. Great. obviously. Um, and the first question again, I'm sorry, I was trying to find you, so I didn't yeah. hear it. Uh, what percentage of the content do you create for what wouldn't be affiliate would be, I guess, commerce? Um, 
very, very little in very targeted areas. 5%? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. We have overall, we have like 400,000-ish pieces of content. I actually don't know how many pieces of content. If I grouped it all together that you're referring to, like we have stuff on Investopedia and the balance, which is like, like incredibly detailed, like credit card and broker comparisons. Would you consider that commerce content or not? But it's going to help people decide what credit card to buy, and then we might get paid for saying to the credit card company. The just plain vanilla, I'm going to buy something. It's very tech heavy, obviously, because it's the way the internet works. Um, I actually don't know how many it is, but it's a fair number. We have a 20-person team that just does uh, like guides, ratings, reviews intensely, and a whole testing lab and whole lab, just like CNET would that we've built in the last couple of years. So I don't, I, I'm not, I just don't know the answer. Yeah. But it's in the thousands for whatever it's worth. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, anyone else for a break? Yes, Jeff. Well, I don't want to stand away from a break. No. Uh, you have verticals in a lot of different areas. Uh, how do you decide? where you want to go? Is it about the business? Do you have specific areas in a more sort of cohesive content strategy? We, we really, um, I can use it. We really wanted to get into beauty um, because we thought that is a great sort of evergreen content, service content area that we thought our approach could um, do really well given the competition on the internet. I think the way we take, we take content very seriously, right? So if someone makes smoky eyes content, we think a lot of people are like, how to make smoky eyes. They just do some like shitty thing that someone writes one day. But if you're the person trying to make those smoky eyes for a date or for like a job interview or for whatever, we will make the best piece of content that has like a video and a step-by-step -step and animated GIF and all this. And we think we can really win. So we're looking to, for pattern recognition like that. Because that's, um, I'm, not sure we're going to go into any new verticals, but we're definitely looking to add things into our current verticals. We like real brands. We're, the one thing we've had a really hard time with is like we have to make the world know what LifeWire is. It's the fourth biggest tech site on the internet, giving like tech advice and reviews, and maybe five people in the room know what it is. So that's what we're looking to do. OK, we're going to leave it there. Neil, thanks. Cool. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, then please rate us and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast. Thank you, and I'll be back soon with another episode.